So before we get this episode started, guys, I uh, just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning. This is a little bit, uh, a little bit more. I'm not going to say serious because I believe all, even when we're having fun, we're being seriously funny about it. But uh, this is a different, little bit different podcast. So the subject matter is a little bit different. Uh, we will be talking about suicide and dealing with loss and things like that. Not only because we'll be talking about Wakanda forever, but also because of the fact that we are going to be talking about the death and passing of uh, Jason David Frank. Uh, so we wanted to just extend something to you. First of all, it is a holiday season as we're recording this. And... Um, Sometimes we hear stuff in our head that isn't true, but if you hear it long enough and you don't have any way to talk about it, you don't feel like you can talk about it, it can get really deadly really quick. Um, Sometimes you can feel like that you're a nuisance to other people around you, or you don't feel like you're worthwhile to be around or something like that. First of all, don't believe those things. Um, And then also talk to somebody about these things. If you're having these thoughts in your head, please talk to somebody. If you got a pastor, a friend, a family member, counselor, anybody that you've got around you that you can talk to, you know, and I know you may not feel like you can talk to people. You may not be able to share it, but please go outside of that thinking and try to do that because I'd much rather have you here with what you're dealing with than not here. Um, and I mean, just, I mean, I, I don't know. Gentlemen, if you've got anything to add to that before we give the information for the phone number that to give out. <clears throat> no, just mostly like, you know, just remember there are people that care about you, even if you don't feel like you deserve it <clears throat> and talk to people because you, you are important and you are loved whoever you are. That's all I got to say. So with that, uh, if you're in a situation where you have no one else to talk to and um, you need to talk to somebody, you're having thoughts of self-harm of some kind, uh, please feel free to reach out to the U.S. uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK. That is the last four numbers, 8255. They're available anytime, day or night, or you can chat with them online. So please, before you make a decision based on what you're hearing, and you can't get in touch with anybody else, please call them. Because we, like I said, I'd rather hear 10,000 things of what's going on in your head than to not hear from you at all. So, please make that call if you have to. With that, um, hello, everybody. Uh, This is Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. My name is Will. I have the honor and privilege of being on with the Rasco Bros. Talking with them today about some um, about some stuff here with uh, in pop culture as it relates to not only Jason David Frank but also um, Wakanda Forever, uh, which they just went to go see last night. So they've got a little bit fresher take on it, I'm sure, um, than I do. But we're gonna get out here and we're gonna talk some stuff. So first things first, um, memories about the life of uh, Jason David Frank. And you want it, us to start? I was just opening the floor. So, I mean, if you'd like to start, I mean, I can start if you'd like, if that gives you a little bit more time I mean, to think. I know that you you often like to uh, start when you present uh, well, a subject. I, so I, I didn't know if you were going to start this time or not. No. I mean, I can. But, I mean, if, if you've got something, I'd rather you start. No, so. I can. 
I, I don't have a lot, so okay. I can definitely start uh, because I don't have a lot. Um, I first was introduced to Jason David Frank through Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which I watched when I was very, very young, as it, it came out very early in my life. So I don't remember the show very well. Uh, I just remember, oh, the green one's the bad one. Oh, now he's not bad anymore. Oh, now he's white. Okay. Um, I was like, I didn't really care about that because my favorite color is red. So uh, uh, Jason was my favorite. So and and then he left and and then Rocky was there and I'm like Rocky's fine I still like him so um, as, as far as like the character of the green slash white ranger goes um, he wasn't like ever high like super high on my list although it's clear that the show was trying to push him as like really super important um, which is fine. Um, the the most that I remember was um, from the movie, the um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie that came out following the show, um, when Zordon died, uh, and then or didn't die though it was just a joke, uh, and then they had to go find some new power, um, and then Johnny on Bosch was there and he was all like I'm a frog. And the lady that gave him the powers was all like, frogs are cool, though. And he's like, okay. And, um, but he, he was a character that I did like, and I did think he was really cool. Um, and obviously, he's had, like, a really long-lasting impact because he was, I'm pretty sure, the most popular Power Ranger out of all the other Power Rangers. Anybody that ever talks about Power Rangers, they're always like, Man, the Green Ranger is so cool. And it's almost always the green that when he was in his green form that people were like, Green Ranger is the coolest. Green Ranger is the most awesome. Like, people don't really talk about after he becomes the White Ranger a whole lot. Um, which is, you know, that's just how things have gone. But the thing with Jason David Frank that I, I noticed for many, many years is that um, he would come back. Uh, and he, well, first of all, I know that role meant like so much to him because he uh, would go to conventions and stuff. And then he started an MMA career. And in his MMA career, he was the Green Ranger. Um, and he had like a green streak in his hair. And um, when he would go to cons, he would have, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, brother. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe he would bring his daughter to cons and they would do like little presentations as he would come up on stage and it was like the most adorable thing. They would uh, go through katas together. Yeah. And strike poses. And, um, but I, I hadn't heard f uh, from him in a while. Uh, but uh, obviously like, uh, Power Rangers wasn't something that I like completely fell in love with, like say something like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That that was an example of something from really early on in my life that I was like, this is the coolest. Uh, Power Rangers I kind of liked, but I also fell out of Power Rangers like pretty quickly as I grew up, um, because I I think I was more into cartoons and live action was fine, but I've always. Had, I was always super enamored with like animation, right? So 
Um, yeah, we were really getting into anime and a bunch of other stuff. Anime didn't happen until high school. Mm-hmm. But early on in life, is it was all it was mostly about cartoons. Um, so Power Rangers wasn't like huge, um, but it's always been something that I like. I, it's like that meme of um, Zach Galifianakis. When it's all like the camera zooming in on his face and he smiles and he just does like a little nod. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it, it's it's that. Yeah, it's, I that I acknowledge like Power Rangers was a huge cultural uh, milestone. Uh, it was it was huge for people, especially in the early nineties. Um, and then it's been kind of on and off again popular. Um, the shows kept on going. Chaim Saban never let it stop. Um. And through those years, Jason David Brink has come back to reprise his role um, and become different uh, colors of Power Rangers, even becoming a Gold Ranger for a little while. Um, And so I know that Power Rangers was like meant a lot to him and even uh, all the way down to, um, I believe, his Battle for the Grid, the fighting game uh, that came out. I'm going to say it's probably like five years old now or something. Um, they they got back as many of the original voice actors as they could for them, um, including the Quantum Ranger, uh, Dan Southworth, which I guess Smider's kind of a fan of. I don't know, though. He's, only because he's the best one. <laughs> um, but they, they brought back uh, Jason David Frank to do Tommy... Or sorry, yeah, Tommy again, uh, but as two different versions of himself. Mm-hmm. This uh, was neat, but that that's kind of that's kind of a spoiler for the story. But whatever, doesn't really matter. Nobody's playing the game right now, anyway. Yeah. Um, Tommy, the character, is back as both his original Green Ranger form and as a new character called was it Darkon? Mm-hmm. Lord Darkon. Dakin. Lord Darkon. Dakin. 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 Isn't that the name of Wolverine's son? Deacon. I think so. Um, two people can have the same name. <laughs> you know how many wills there are out there? So there are a five. <laughs> um, so, uh, not being like a huge uh, Power Rangers fan, um... Even though I'm I'm not like a massive fan, like I I recognize that the news of one of him passing, just that is big. But also the fact that it appears to have been by suicide. Uh, We just learned about this earlier today as of recording this podcast. Yeah. Um, So if there's more information that comes out after this, we don't know about it until it comes out after this. Um. That's the biggest surprise to me. Um, if it was like an accident or if he had like cancer or something like that, that would definitely be tragic. Um, but, you know, sometimes that just happens in life. But the fact that it's quite it's it seems quite possibly that it was by suicide. That's that's something else entirely. Yeah. Um. All, all the things I've ever seen of him is he always seemed like full of life and 
so grateful to the fans and uh, grateful for life. So to me, it's it's just it's definitely shocking. And um, my heart goes out to his family. And um, yeah, especially for like the the longtime fans that have been sticking with Power Rangers through thick and thin. Because I think most people, the vast majority of Power Rangers fans from the 90s fell off of Power Rangers, uh, even though Power Rangers has continued. But for those like fans that have stuck with it for all these years, I can't imagine how much more it hits them in this situation. Mm-hmm. He was... I, I, I do really believe, although I don't have any data to back up my my facts here Mm -hmm. i really do believe that the green ranger was the most popular power ranger out of all other power rangers Mm -hmm. so it's um, to know that jason david frank has taken his own life here that's that's gonna leave a mark for a long time yeah and so that that's kind of my personal histories with Jason David Frank. I don't know if Smiter has more to interject about there. I, uh, it's a lot like yours. We really enjoyed it when we were younger, and then we fell off for a while. And I it must have been about a decade ago. I started looking, I started looking him back up on my own because I knew that Johnny Yambosh was doing well, having a pretty consistent acting career, and still pulling off sometimes high profile anime roles and so i started getting really curious about the other actors and uh at the time i was poking my nose in on what jason david frank was doing and i actually got more familiar with uh his mma career and what's interesting about his career is that he I th- personally I think he might have just started a little too late I think when he was younger and MMA was popping off then the way it is now I think he probably would have had a really great MMA career even at the age that he was getting into which was his late 30s early 40s he was pretty damn close he was uh, pretty damn close to a mid card if I remember correctly he did well and people were getting to know him and his fight name was the Green Ranger that should let you know how proud he was of that role and It should also that should also speak to, and about just how frequently he was willing to come back to the role. I'm sure like some part of it was about financial security and stuff, but you know, not every not every actor who played a ranger previously came back during these bit, especially these more recent crossover events that have been happening. Um. That, but there have been whole seasons of new Power Rangers dedicated to Jason's character, Tommy, who 
in some situations has come back, started training the the next generation of Power Rangers. Um, and I think that the fact that Jason David Frank was able to I don't know if like get mileage out of it or um, was able to put so much work into Tommy really speaks to how hard he was willing to work for that role and how hard he was willing to work to keep that role going. And at this point, I wish he would have saved some of that strength for himself. It's, um, If reports are true and he did go out the way that he did, that's that's awful. You know, trying to find the silver lining in horrible tragedies like this. We thankfully have a massive body of work that he's put into into power rangers because it's yeah it's like kind of like how jingles pointed out he wasn't just the green ranger he was the white ranger he was the gold ranger he was the black ranger he was the red ranger all at different times throughout the entirety of Power Rangers in all these different iterations. And you could look at the longevity of his character, Tommy, and it from a distance from the outside looking in, it looks like a drop in the bucket compared to how big Power Rangers is and how many different versions of Power Rangers there are. But nobody did what he did. Nobody came back the way that he did. Nobody put in more time the way that he did. And because of that, it's Power Rangers really, like, the fans, Power Rangers, and and Jason's personal family have lost a pillar. And, yeah... Jingles is right. I remember seeing him going to fan meet and greets, which his fans always said that he treated everybody extremely well. He would bring his daughter or one of his other kids with him, and they would make a fun time out of it. And I hope that that's... I hope that's what people keep in their hearts about him. Not this defeat. Not this 
not this last defeat, but they remember all of those great victories. But that's, uh, that's also on top of all the other stuff that I remember about his career. Yeah. Uh, my nephew was the reason why I even knew who the Power Rangers were. Because I remember he was very, very young. He wanted to see the Power Rangers. And I remember when the movie came out and my sister didn't want to take him. And so I set up a way to get him so that we could, I could take him with me and my brother. And we went to go see the movie together because he was like all of about three or four years old. But he was just excited to see the Power Rangers on a big screen. And I think his scene was when they first did the Morphin the first time. He screamed like this, just, just, just scream of joy of seeing his heroes on the big screen and seeing them on there. And I thought that was cool. Um, he really enjoyed that movie and it didn't take long for me to really get into it too. And so, but I didn't, you know, of course I had never really watched a lot of the other shows unless I was watching with him, but I was more watching him watch the show than watching the show. Um, uh, so that I didn't really start watching the show until years later. Um, I, I remember being at a convention in Louisville and I saw Jason David Frank walk up. It looked like he just came out of the bathroom. And I was like, hey, I just want to say hi. I know I'm not at your table. I just want to say hello to you. He said, I appreciate you being a Green Ranger and my White Ranger and all the other Rangers. My nephew loves your stuff. He shook my hand. He said, man, I really appreciate that, man. Um, you know, I hope that I hope that you get a chance to tell him that 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 I that I said to let him know I said hey. And I was like, I'll tell him. And so uh, I told him, and he was just like he was just dismayed by the fact that I met the Green Ranger. And uh, but the, the fact that he took that time, and then another thing I will never forget, I hope to never forget him for was during the pandemic when a lot of comic book shores were having a hard time, especially around Houston area. Um, I know Miss Jen, you know, friend of the show, uh, was, you know, of course, at the time, they weren't allowed to be open. So she was doing these live shows and stuff like that on Facebook to kind of keep afloat, even though she couldn't open a store and have customers in. And so I remember Jason David Frank told a story on his Instagram about how he went to one of his favorite comic book stores near uh, Conroe, uh, where he lives. And he went by the comic book store, and it was just right after they just started reopening stores. And... He was just like, wow, there's nobody in here. You think with the stores being closed for so long, you think everybody'd be he's and they were like, Man, we can't keep people back in here. Like, man, people are like like people are so people have gone online and started buying their comic books online and all these other places and there's all these different networks that are out there and we're not a part of those networks and we don't know. And it was just this whole thing. And so I think like maybe a week went by and he started going to some of the local stores and just being like, Hey, I'm here. I want to sign stuff. I want to get people in the store. The first store, I think he said, he thought maybe maybe 100 people might show up. I mean, maybe like 10 to 10 to 20 people might show up and over 100 people showed up over the course of several hours. Because, of course, once they found out, hey, Jason David Frank is at the store doing a signing, people just started coming in in droves. But then he created an initiative called the JDF uh, Comic Book Store uh, Rededication Fund. And when people started interviewing him and asking him why he was doing it, because he started off in around Texas, and then he slowly started going off to other stores and other things like that. And um, 
He said because pop culture for a lot of people starts at a comic book store somewhere. And he said, so if we lose those stores, we lose a part of who we are as people. We lose a part of our pop culture. We lose a part of our stories. And so I don't want to lose that because I, I, I'm just as big of a geek as a lot of people that watch and love the stuff I love. It says a lot of people that are fans of Power Rangers are fans of comic books. They're fans of action figures. They're fans of manga. They're fans of this. They're fans, they're fans of all the stuff that's in a comic book store. So, yeah, I go around and I'll do the thing. Now, yeah, you know, the first couple around Texas where he was, he's like, you know, I could go to those locations and it didn't cost me a whole lot. Because I was going to be going to those locations anyway. But once you start having me travel to like L.A. and other places, then I've got to start collecting some resources because i got to have a way to get around to those places. And But the stores were able to create that revenue based on in some cases... And he would even tell them, like, look, no, don't sell tickets. Like, do what you got to do to raise the money, but don't sell tickets. Like, don't charge people to come see me. Like, you know, because I want them to be able to come. I want them to be able to come and do whatever. And so, like, people would come in. And I, uh, of course, you know, like I said, Miss Jen, I had asked a while back, even though I'm not living in the area, I was like, hey, if you're in Texas anyway, there is an awesome store in Conroe that got hit like a lot of other stores got hit. And it would be really be cool if you were able to show up there. And so eventually, I think his wife messaged me back and was like, hey, we've added it to the list. We don't know where we'll get into the rotation, but we've added it to the list of stores. And so then I think like six months later, I checked back and it's like, yeah, it, it's he's gotten caught up in a bunch of other ones, but he, it's still on the list. So then eventually um, he made it to Space Cadets. And I thought that was really cool. So I wanted to kind of read this quote from Miss Jen because I feel like it was something that's, that's personal for her, um, but also very special just for this. Uh, I can't believe it. Such a sweet gentleman bringing joy to us during the heart of the pandemic. You never know what demons someone is secretly fighting. We will miss you, Jason David Frank. And, of course, it's a picture of them together in the store. And I just think about the fact that he was willing to give up time out of his life that he didn't have to give. He could have been doing anything else. But in the midst of a pandemic, he was trying to help save comic book stores that needed the help. That hadn't already closed down, that we hadn't already lost. Uh, that's pretty selfless as far as I'm concerned. And then this is from Melina, uh, Melina Perez, former WWE uh, wrestler. Because I, I read, I was scouring stuff and just trying to figure out what best suited because of especially what Smider had to say as far as remembering the greatness that he did for the world and not necessarily how things ended for him. Um, Melina said the following, says, I've seen him at almost every convention I've been at. Always upbeat, kind, and full of life. That was genuine. He didn't have to be so good to everybody, but he was. His lines had hundreds of people, and he was there with a smile for every each one. For each one. No matter how his life ended, those moments were real and true. The love he gave to everyone and the love the fans gave back was real. He was a person who brought people together and wanted to see people happy. We will never forget that. Thank you for all of it, JDF. And, I mean, like I said, just going back to seeing my nephew's face. The first time he and the other Power Rangers morphed. And then thinking back to those smiles and even the smile he was willing to put on my face for those few short seconds that he saw me as he was leaving the bathroom on his way back to his booth. 
And even though I never got the chance to go back by his booth, I had a moment with him that I didn't have to have. He could have just passed me by. But he didn't choose to do that. He chose to stop long enough to recognize what I said and be like, hey, let your nephew know I said hey. So, um, man, the world won't be the same. And, I mean, we, especially with, you know, of course, we're getting ready to celebrate the 30th anniversary, I believe, of the Power Rangers coming together. And I know there were some projects that they were working on with that. And part of that was stuff that was being filmed. And, you know, as far as we knew, he wasn't able to be a part of that for whatever the reason. Uh, or at least as far as we know. I mean, days could have changed. I don't know. But, um, man, my nephew was, my other nephew was the one that told me about how things would happen. Because all I saw was that he had passed away. I didn't know what had happened. And so just thinking about that, that can be tough. Because, it, and that's where we started off with the idea. It, it, we just don't know what people are dealing with in their lives. I know he lost a brother as well. I think the same way. And so you just never know what kind of demons people are battling. So just be available. Because you just never know where hello or how are you doing for real, for real. May change the whole future. We just don't know. So that's why I hope that you guys, everybody listening, uh, I hope you guys will take that initial thing we said up front seriously. And I mean, if you know us, talk to us. Like, we're not doctors. We're not whatever. But we'll listen. You know? So, that's all I got to say about that. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. I also feel like it's worth mentioning that um, he was actually in the middle of uh, movie production when he passed. Um, mm. There's a film due to come out next year called Legend of White Tiger, White Dragon that uh he was starring in and it looks like that he was the lead i don't know if they finished production first or or what have you or what more they have left of finishing the film but there's a trailer for it on youtube and it's due to come out next year Okay. So, if that project comes out in full, I hope that people can get a chance to support that, you know, and just see him do what he did best, which, which, which was entertaining people, which is something he loved doing. So, you know, yeah. So we go from this to I want to I want to kind of switch shift the mood a bit. Um, I want to say this real quick before we get a. How y'all feel about that MJF uh, becoming the champion or at AEW? Oh, I, I haven't been paying attention. Okay. Uh, MJF is one of the hardest workers over at AEW. Um, he's been getting a solid push. He's like the top heel of the company. So him getting the championship only makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, I'm surprised they didn't give it to him earlier. Because, you know, that's going to that's gonna bring in plenty of heat, depending on who he beat. Unless mm. it was CM Punk. If it was CM Punk, nobody would care because everybody's mad at CM Punk right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, he beat John Moxley to get the belt. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. And, People uh, like John Moxley. 
he beat John Moxley, but now he not only beat John Moxley, but apparently William Regal had a hand in him beating John Moxley. So then the whole Blackpool get Blackpool group and everything is going to be an, an interesting situation now. Uh, come next broadcast because that's going to be a thing that I'm sure they're going to be made aware of if they don't already know. So, mm-hmm. but that's going to be interesting there. So now we get into Wakanda Forever. Um, Wakanda. Wakanda Forever. Uh, I want to ask Jingles this because I know we had mentioned it in a previous podcast. Yes. Do you, do you feel like this was a good memorial but it didn't dwell on that too long? Because I know we had mentioned that a while back. And I just was, I just wanted your reflections on that particular piece. Um, yes. I appreciate that the, like, dwelling on Chadwick Boseman part of the movie, which we all know was going to have to happen. Um, that part, I think, was done to an acceptable length as far as the film goes. Because the film doesn't dwell on it like the entire time like I was worried that it might do. It did. I think it gave it like a decent amount. I'm going to say probably like 15 solid minutes of screen time just focusing on the the death of T'Challa. Um, and then also just like at the very end showing clips of Chadwick and like giving some time to like just think about that. Um, and then obviously at the end, you know, um, dedicated to our friend Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Um, I felt like that was, I don't think they overdid it. Um, good. I was, I was happy with the amount that they did. I thought I was like, okay, they didn't completely focus the entire narrative of the movie on just Chadwick. Cause that would have, that would have been really annoying to me. Yeah. Um, they like the entire movie is about loss and, um, there's this like a, a constant somber melancholy feel throughout the entire film. Um, but it wasn't just like about Chadwick. Um, I was, um, I, I like to go onto Reddit most days and, uh, I like to peruse the, marvel memes subreddit uh-huh. and somebody had pointed out and it's something that i didn't really like think about uh and then this last movie like really i was like oh yeah it is phase four um focuses a lot on grief and loss yeah and so many of these movies are like these are how these characters are dealing with grief and loss um, and so like the theme just carries on through in Wakanda forever. Um, and so they, I think they gave an appropriate amount of time to be like, look, we're, we're sad about, uh, Chadwick, but there was also like, uh, what I think was really healthy for them is including that scene where, um, the queen says it's time for us to burn our funeral clothes this is part of our ceremony yeah because now we're ready to move on we're done grieving this is our grieving clothes we're done um there's also that whole biblical sense of like when you're in mourning 
you you put on the sackcloth and you pour ashes on your head and that's a form of of mourning but you only do that for a while people know that you're mourning by the by the way that you look but when you're done with that you're like i'm done mourning that's when you go back and return to your daily life right um and so they included that in this movie and that was like still fairly early on in the movie when they did that and to me i was all like i think we're all ready to move on now then um and I, I thought that that was good and healthy. And as far as like memo- memorializing Chadwick and giving honor to Chadwick um, for what he has done for the MCU and all the outpouring of love for Chadwick, I feel like um, was captured and done well without going too long with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to. I wanted to pick up your thoughts. Like I said, I kind of know we had talked about that a while back, and it was a fear of yours. So I wanted to see how you felt about how they carried that out and did they handle it well. And I appreciate you being willing to share that. Um, I'm gonna start with this. I overall enjoyed the movie for the, for for one. I enjoyed the movie for several reasons, but this is one of my reasons that I didn't think about. And this is where a lot of people were thinking, oh, he cried because of the funeral. He cried because... No, I really didn't cry during the funeral. It wasn't until I saw the path that Shuri was going down. Where, for example, when you talked about that scene where her mother said, we got to burn the ceremonial clothing. And she said, if I, set, if I start that fire, I'm scared that fire will burn the world. And no, I was, She said, if I keep thinking about T'Challa then I will want to burn the world to the ground. Okay. It's yeah, a- it, wasn't, it wasn't that she was like, she wants to hold on to that memory and she still considers herself to still be in mourning, which is why she didn't want to, burn to do the, that. Yeah. To burn the clothing. And so, yeah. but there's that. And then of course, Namor uses it against her later when he's trying to recruit her. And then whenever she goes to the uh, ancestral plane, it becomes clear that she is tied. That 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 emotion ties her to Killmonger because that's of course who's sitting at the throne when she thinks it's supposed to be her mother. And then, of course, later as she's going down this path, it as I was watching all this, I couldn't help but go back to Captain America: Civil War. And I'm just paraphrasing this. Whenever T'Challa finally finds uh, Baron Zemo. And he says, I've almost allowed revenge to cloud my judgment and consume me. I will no longer allow it to consume me here. And it's this idea that he understood the path he was on was very much a vengeance path for most of that movie. And it wasn't until he began to realize that there was some good in some of the people he was around that he chose not to let that be his pathway. And then to see his sister go through a similar thing but she was very close to kind of kicking that door open and just going fully for vengeance sake. Even to the point of her standing up to M'Baku and saying, you're going to help me kill him. You know, type thing. And I'm just sitting there going like, what is happening? Where is this going? How dark is this really going to get? You know, because at this point she had lost her mother. She lost her brother. There was no other part of the family left. It was just her. 
you know, and so then that question became a thing, and then it made me think about the child, and I'm sitting there going, this is really powerful storytelling to take these two characters who are related by blood and have them go down the same story and come back on the other side and both make the decision that vengeance cannot be the ultimate goal for my life. I can't go down this pathway that I'm feeling like I should go down. Because they both went there. But it was beautiful that they, that, that was the story they were able to tell. And so I thought that was really neat. That's one of the things I loved about them. And, I don't, and I'm sure Ryan Coogler probably did that intentionally. I'm not for sure. Or maybe it's just me. But I, no, I enjoyed I'm, that. I'm definitely certain that because uh, I went on the Marvel meme subreddit and hmm. people were talking about, yeah, there, there's that quite obvious parallel there. And I think that uh, Ryan Coogler and the other writers uh, probably wanted to express that in order to be like a good Black Panther, like these are, you, you gotta let go of vengeance and, mm-hmm. you know, live a more noble life. T'Challa yeah. had his opportunity to do the same thing. Yeah. That's what he was saying. Mm-hmm. He did. You're absolutely right. So I really enjoyed that uh, parallel. I really enjoyed, uh, I, I thought it was so cute. Uh, I was at the theater watching, of course, the ceremonial dance scenes at the beginning when the funeral was going on. And there's a little girl in front of me and she was just dancing and her mom kind of looks at her, what are you doing? She's like, I don't know the music. I like the music. And how powerful the music was in this movie. How there were certain orchestral directions that they went in in certain scenes that kind of let you know where we were headed. So I love the music, the way the music was played with in this. Um, I'm still, I, I love the fact that the Dora Milaje, like, I heard somebody say about this. This feels like what would happen if the main, if the quarterback of the football team was gone for the recording of the story, and so you had to do a story around the supporting characters around the quarterback. But it really does flesh out a lot of the stories of the family of Wakanda that's left behind. So I'm glad they were able to do that. They could have, they could have just easily been like, okay, we're just going to focus on Shuri primarily. And that's, and, but that's not all they did. They gave us, they fleshed out more characters about the Dora Milaje. They fleshed out more about the, uh, the, and I can't think of the name of the new guard that showed up later by the end. Was it that, something Angels? The the armored, the, the blue armored characters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what they're called. And, and stuff like that. Uh, Midnight Angels. Uh, fleshing them oh, yeah. out and uh, fleshing out uh, the, the queen and how she was trying to deal with things and she her going to the UN and basically being like, you know, you think because our leader's gone, you think that because our protector's gone, you can come and take advantage of us. No. Please understand that if you continue to do this, we're gonna come at you harder. You know, if you continue this pathway you're trying to go. The reason we didn't do this is because of these things that are being done toward us. You know. And so it's not that they were going back on their promise, but ever since like T'Challa put that out there, like basically the world around them has been going after them, trying to find the resources without them, so to speak. You know, invading them and all that stuff, which I feel like is gonna be a bit of a foreshadowing to what happens later, because in the MCU, I mean, not later in the movie, because I mean, even Namor talks about it. Namor talks about it. 
uh, when he's near the end, when he says, you know, they're going to come for Wakanda, and when they do, we're going to be able to assist them. And then we're basically still going to get what we want anyway. You know. So his plan is still going forward. The dude that played Namor, I'm going to say it right now, dude, killed it. Uh, people are complaining about, oh, he's not the Namor in the comic books. And I'm like, yeah, and the She-Hulk's not exactly like She-Hulk in the comics. And Spider-Man's not exactly like the comics. And Black Panther wasn't exactly like the comics. And the, it, 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 that's a constant theme in MCU. Like, they make changes. I mean, that's what I say. You know, they make changes. Stop that. Like, stop we need, acting we like... Need to make, we need to make T-shirts. It says the MCU changes things. Yeah, pretty regularly. <laughs> um, I, I, and... and, and I think another thing I really enjoyed too was the use of characters. Like, for example, Umbaku. I loved Umbaku in this movie more so than I did in the first one. I feel like they really fleshed him out. Umbaku is his hashtag best boy. Best boy, yeah. He's pretty great. He, man, like, there's a point where he looks at uh, Shuri and she says something to the effect of, you know, you, you, you don't. You don't look at me as somebody who scoffs at tradition, which is a line from the first movie. He's a like, child that scoffs at tradition. tradition. Yeah. And he says to her, as much loss as you've gone through, I can no longer see you as a child. Yeah. Nobody can, nobody can refer to you as a child. See you as a child. And I'm just like, dude, that's powerful. Now, he never said, he never, notice he never said anything about her scoffing at tradition. But he specifically respects the fact that she's gone through this and still standing on the other side. And so yeah. he respects her enough to say, look, you're not a child anymore. I'm, st I'm here to support you, whatever I can do, like, basically. And I love that. And even when, like, Namor basically punked him, like, he was all like, he went and jumped up and hit him with a stick and, like, it broke it and he just, like, shadow punch, bam, in the chest. I'm like, dude, that was horrible. But I'm like, Obaku still tried to get up though. <laughs> he did. He still tried. I was scared. Like, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't backing down. Like that's the thing I love about. Overall, I enjoyed the movie for everything it gave. Uh, I have a few gripes, but we're not at that section yet. So, uh, anybody? I think Jingle spoke on his side of it. Smiter. What a big movie! That's a big movie. You know, I'm sure we'll go into a bit more, but um, Jingles and I, after coming out of that, there's there's a lot of movies that we that we leave that we're immediately cracking jokes about. Didn't have a lot of that for this one. We uh, there was a bit of a dour air over over the entirety of the story that kind of caught us off guard, but. I guess in hindsight it's to be expected. I I really, really dig what they did with Namor. And mm -hmm. I like that his attitude of revenge against the surface world is similar. It, it's eerily similar to what Killmonger was doing, just separate in scope. And 
Um, I do think it's cool that like the only nation that he's willing to sort of partner up with, partner up with, is Wakanda, making them the greatest pair of superpowers that have ever existed on the planet. If they wa- if they wanted to take everyone else out, they could. Uh, but I like that um, Namor's desire is to exact all of that power on the world. And Suri's intent is to, well, overall bro- broker peace. But she has to figure out for herself... Like, am I going to accept the short-term solution that I want, or am I willing to put that aside for long-term solutions that are ultimately going to aid our two kingdoms? And plus, I actually really like that uh, more than just, oh man, I hope that Siri doesn't accept vengeance there was actually layered issues, political issues that would that would have severe ramifications if Suri wound up killing uh, Namor. And I, I, I really, really liked how it's obvious that the people of Talokan love their king, who is now my king now, because he's the best. And uh, I liked it. I really, really liked the film. I'm sure that there's going to be a whole bunch of detractors because nobody likes anything these days. It's true. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I uh, I really liked it. I, and, you know, I felt like I was... I felt like I was being properly presented a longer film. Um, now, is it as lean and trimmed off of the fat as Endgame was? No, I think that there's some dragging that happens when they're in America and trying to help out Riri. Um, and I think that... Oh, how did you like that, uh, the little jab at the American, uh, education system? Oh, I like that actually. Where it's all like it's like she's in one of those colleges. It's like, oh, it's basically the equivalent of one of our children's schools. Yeah, I like that. Oh, MIT. Okay. Yeah, well, you see, I saw that less as a jab at American schools. What is going on? What kind of things that they can just say whatever they want? <laughs> MIT is MIT. a very good, prestigious program. Let's say hypothetically. <laughs> Uh, and Wakanda thinks that they're better than you? <laughs> Don't believe me? Have a look. Well, look. Um, yeah, I didn't read it as that. I read it as <laughs> uh, like Wakanda being so cartoonishly advanced. Yeah, they that, are cartoonishly advanced. That um, like they can't understand that. Like, uh, oh, is this like as good as everyone's doing here? Um. I mean, dude, they've got hover trams in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried. Like, we're obvious. The entire world is obviously outclassed by this, right? Well, technology doesn't often mean how smart the people are in general. Yeah, but we all see the quality of life in Wakanda. Right, it is a high quality of life. And 
I uh, I actually liked seeing more of Wakanda, more of like the city, like the capital city of Wakanda. No, the city's stupid. It's all about the Jabari tribe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we can't look. They live in a mountain, and they're happy. <laughs> As soon as <laughs> as soon as uh, Umbaku showed up, and he's chewing on a red carrot, I can only assume. It was a carrot, yeah. And uh, when he's doing that, uh, Jingles leaned over to me, and he's and he reminded me because I actually forgot that he's a vegetarian. Yeah, it was all like, oh yeah, they're vegetarians. I was like, oh, that's right. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because he, he told the colonizer, he told him, he said, if you say one more word, I will feed you to my children. And then all of a sudden, well, oh boy, he's la- kind of looking at him funny. He's all like, I'm joking. We are vegetarians. <laughs> I, uh, I do appreciate that Umbaku and the Jabari tribe were, like, got the best jokes out of the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just glad that Umbaku continues to be the best yeah period is he is umbaku based umbaku is the most based (laughs) (laughs) i'll do (laughs) i love i no, i i love how they're like all of the jabari tribe are kind of extra Mm mm-hmm and they're all into it like they're all like as soon as one starts hooting yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Like they all oh, like, oh. Oh, like, like they have, like as soon as one gets started in the back of my brain, I was like, oh, damn it. No, now they're all going to do it. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> they all have to have each other's backs. Uh, I have I expected Umbaku to go down on his, like on, on his hands and, and, yeah. and on his knuckles. Yeah. And just like run at somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Beat his chest. Yep. Which, when he did beat his chest, we were very happy. Yes. Yeah, he did that whenever he threw the one dude, like, almost into a bridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I can't even remember what that line was uh, or how, it, how exactly it went, but it was like the Jabari were just chilling out in, in the city and just watching over people, and they're just commenting on, like, the queen's recent decisions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, I, I think, think I know what line you're talking about. Yeah, I I can't remember if it was Mbaku himself or one of his lieutenants <laughs> mentioned that uh, uh, the war dog has brought back the princess. And then uh, I think Mbaku says, once again, a spy has saved Wakanda. Perhaps the queen will reward her with banishment. Yeah. <laughs> lifetime banishment. <laughs> lifetime banishment. And I like that the rest of them will chuckle at that. I was yeah. all like, uh, these are all lifetime soldiers. Yep. That, and uh, as soon as the battle for the capital city bounced off and things are going haywire, and I thought a lot of that was shot really well because things were scary when tidal waves were rolling in and people were trying to save each other it was shot and it was it was shot very well um and then uh when umbaku was trying to make a stand and he's throwing guys around i lean over to jingles and i was all like he's been like he's you guys you don't get it he's been bored for a long time i leaned in and i was all like this is what happens 
uh, when you're a barbarian and you've been <laughs> playing diplomatic like skill checks for the entire game session, and then some goblins show up. Yeah, yeah. Some actual combat starts, and you're like, thank God. <laughs> I would like to rage. I would like to rage. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I, I, overall, I really enjoyed the film. I think I, I can't quite describe like what's up with the structure that kind of throws me off, but it's right where uh, Suri consumes the heart shaped herb, and I, I don't know why. But something about the film feels kind of disjointed at that point. It does seem a bit choppy. I'll, they, I'll say yeah, that. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like the change in intent that Suri has uh, from simply trying to defend Wakanda to now I want revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even like it's justified or comes out of left field. We just saw the queen die. Right. And so it makes perfect sense. But I don't know why something about something about its structure throws me off a little bit. But yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed the film. And unfortunately, the Jabari tribe gets the best jokes. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> oh, and don't forget about your favorite scene. Oh, which one was that? Again? Right after Shuri had uh, taken the the plant, and she was going to talk to the ancestors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. My favorite scene? I'm pretty sure it was. That's the only scene that you were like, this was like the best part of the movie. We yeah. didn't say that. I'm yeah. throwing you under the bus. <laughs> um, how did I say? I think it was, oh, I like. I was genuinely impressed on how they were able to rework Michael B. Jordan back into the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was actually really, really smart. Yeah, and turned to Smiter, and I was all like, "Here comes the boy." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I was doing that a lot. There was a lot of good boys. Yeah, that I mean, Umbaku. Yeah, when I saw him at the the first funeral, I was all like, "Oh, look at that, mad respect." I didn't, I didn't put together right away that throughout the events of what happened in Black Panther, and then what happened in. Um, Avengers Infinity War and what happened throughout Endgame mm-hmm. and all that. Um, I don't know why I thought that Umbaku was still like hostile towards the the throne. Yeah, uh-huh. but um, and and or had like disrespect for the throne or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that now he was like him and his tribe are more or less reintegrated with the rest of Wakanda. Yeah. They're just um, traditionalists. Yeah, they're just traditionalists. And they have their own land. Yeah. But I mean, like, the fact that him and his soldiers were there to fight and he, representing the Jabari tribe, was there for the funerals mm-hmm. um, and looked genuinely sad. It's just surprising to me because, like, I believe historically, and you can pro- yeah, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Will, I believe historically Umbaku, the man-ape in the comics, is usually just a straight antagonist for most yeah. of the time. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So seeing him be like such a good boy in like this movie, like I, I, I don't, I guess I kind of expected like 
okay, we're still Wakandans, so we'll work together as Wakandans, but it's like a shaky, like, truce or whatever. I didn't expect for um, Umbaku to be like, no, we're allies. We're basically friends now. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're all Wakandans. We're all Wakandans. We're like, and we have a strong bond like that. Yeah. I didn't expect that from Umbaku because of how I've seen the character of Umbaku the Man Ape in the comics and in like Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which I have the most experience with because I don't really read Black Panther. Right. Um, and so that made me happy because Smider knows that the two of my, there's two character tropes that I absolutely love. Can't get enough that of. That I can't get enough of. The first trope is um, big, dumb, goofy idiots that are super duper strong. Love those guys. And I also love when an antagonist becomes uh, uh, a friend and ally to the protagonist. And so like people like Vegeta, you know, uh, he's been evil or in Piccolo also mm-hmm. were like evil at the beginning and then became good. Um, even though they're still like, you know, rascally and kind of knuckleheads. Yeah. Um, and Umbaku happens to be both of those things. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, in that sense of just all like, man, Umbaku's like the best. Um, and so, uh, it made me happy because Umbaku seemed like, um, like like a good person now and i'm like i'm i'm all right with that i'm i like i've never been particularly fond of the character in the comics but the movies he's been good and winston duke is doing a uh, super good job yeah oh, absolutely um yeah. yeah that was one thing that <laughs> i was just all like oh that's nice yeah <laughs> oh it, he's a good boy it kind of reminds me of that line from Big E back in the day back when they first started doing the uh and, and here and and uh, and fear the power and here's the power podcast that they did, and Biggie was all like, "Y'all want your five star matches and your instant classics? I didn't come in for all that. I just come in to see two big muscle bound men bumping meat. You know that's all. That's, that's <laughs> this whole thing. And I'm like, Ubaku is definitely like a meat bumping machine in this movie. Like, he's just, <laughs> yeah, he is. He's just hit hard, hit fast, and keep hitting. It's pretty you awesome. Just keep hitting until it stops. That's yeah. right. Nah, uh, so the, I see more more of big number philosophy. I Ex- see. Absolutely, big number is way better than do combo. <laughs> <laughs> see how long that last fight took? Because you were doing combo instead of big number. <laughs> do you notice what what ended the fight? The big number of hitting the jets. <laughs> the <Yeah>. Big number. <laughs> big number is superior to do combo. But no. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So, did we talk about everything we enjoyed on the film? Is there anything else we need to cover on that uh, front? Everything that I enjoyed of the film. Let's see. Um, I, th- I, I did mention that I, I appreciated that they included a, a part in that movie where saying, like, you know, uh, have your mourning period, however long it is, but, like, be all right with moving on from mourning. Yeah. You know? Which, you know, I think is a healthy thing to do um, for anybody. I think it's it's bad to continue to wallow in grief. Um, I don't I don't think it does anybody any good to do so. 
Um, and I think the movie was kind of trying to say that maybe don't do that so much. Um, so that's something that I appreciated. Uh, I really like Namor. I really like the story. I really like uh, Talokan, the city. Um, I just wanted to just call it Atlantis because essentially that's what it is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's actually what it is in the comics. Very much so. It's just Atlantis in the comics. Well, like the Mayan influence isn't like a thing in the comics. Exactly. Not at all. But it still works for the movie because I think I may have mentioned this last recording about the whole idea that Marvel wanted an edict that we took an underrepresented group and kind of paralleled, had a story that paralleled with the Wakandans. Right. And so, like, I thought I thought the cultural representation was really good. Um, it felt good. Um, I think uh, Namor's villain story kind of annoys me, but that's because I'm always I always get mad when it's just all like, oh, I saw one bad thing one time. Um, and so I decided that the entirety of the surface world, we should probably just kill them. Because they're definitely going to try and colonize us if they if they give the chance, right? And, and I've I've always been of the opinion of just like I it annoys me when a villain does that, but you know like I can't think of a better way to make a villain than to do something like that. So um, I can't complain a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the entire the, the entire Mayan um just like aesthetic of everything was cool. I will say I do think that Atlantis in Aquaman was more visually impressive to me. Yeah. Cuz it was like uh Talakan was very dark. Yeah. Um and I would have liked more lights. Yeah. I would have liked to have been and I mean like when you get to like the throne room and and uh, the, um, as Namor put it, the the sun underwater, um, I thought that looked dope. That looked really good, um, but it was just it was just so dark for for many parts of it, and I like from a visual standpoint, I didn't really like that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But like the design of everything, I liked. I liked the Mayan influences. I liked the the pyramids underwater i love the like namor in his elaborate headdress oh i loved it and like the way the people were dressed and like their their breathing apparatuses and um just all of that i was like i think it it all looks stunning um and yeah as as a latino i was like this looks great and Mm -hmm. i feel cool Yep. about that um but yeah that, that was that was mainly the big things that i really liked about the movie definitely anybody else no i think smider gave everything he had to oh, say oh yeah. Right. yeah i i will just end with my favorite my favorite favorite thing of all and it was done by my boy baku because why not uh it's when he looks out and he's describing them and he says that they do not call him a king. They do not call him a legend. They call him Ku Ku Khan. He is the feather serpent god. And I was just like, the reason I love that so much is because 
for a lot of the movie, even in this movie, there was moments where it's like, okay, M'Baku kind of has the really good jokes. Okay, that's cool. He has really good stuff. This is a moment where he's sitting there kind of being professorial. Like, he's just like, this is what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with an ordinary person. We're not dealing with an ordinary person with an ordinary army like the rest of the people we've dealt with prior. We're dealing with somebody that has us beat right now in a lot of ways. We have to find a way to defeat him. You know, so I really appreciated that. But yeah, that, I, I loved it for that. But, uh, oh, I, I think uh, we can all agree that we all appreciated um, when uh, Namor was all like, uh, w- when he was uh, talking to Shuri, and he was all like, oh, uh, yeah, by the way, uh, I'm a mutant because we can use mutant now, and then looked right directly at the past the fourth wall to the crowd so like, <laughs> let everybody know and then uh just really loud for some reason <laughs> there was a musical sting of me <laughs> blasted in everybody's ears i thought that was a little i thought that was weird and it kind of took me out of the film a little touch on the nose yeah but, you know that all of a sudden miss <laughs> marvel comes out like the character off of mortal Kombat. it's just like he said the word guys <laughs> he did it he said the thing Ah, I pointed at the screen and I clapped. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're going to get into the stuff we didn't like about it. And I will start off with simply this. This movie did not make me like Riri anymore. Okay. Let's go put that out there. I'll say that. I didn't hate Riri in this. Yeah, I didn't hate her. I didn't hate her, but I I really hope that the character grows between now and the time we get to see her in her own show. Here's the big thing for me when it came to Riri. Mm -hmm. Here's the the absolute biggest thing Mm -hmm. is that she acknowledges that she made a mistake and Uh, she feels bad about it. That is something definitely different from the comics. That is not something that she would have done in the comics. <laughs> she would have looked at the screen and said, no, it is everybody else that is wrong. <laughs> Am I out of touch? These racist, <laughs> these racist, uh, uh, Lanian, Talakadian, whatever you want to call them, people, they're the problem. They ain't got nothing to do with me. Uh, we the call comments. them uh, La Raza, and we expect respect out of that. Viva La Raza. <laughs> Viva La Raza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and so because she did that i was all like you're okay riri but i got my eye on you <laughs> but please continue will yes yeah, i just yeah, say well, tell us about your gripes i just i just primarily just didn't feel like like riri needed to be there like riri riri you could have taken riri completely out of the plot and literally just had any other scientist and it would have worked like riri you would have preferred be- if moon girl was in there instead who? Dude, first Who? of all, if Moon Girl had been in there, she'd have had Devil Dinosaur. I'm sorry. Namor and them would have had a whole other problem to deal with. Can Devil Dinosaur swim? I don't know. No. <laughs> but I'm sorry, if you're talking T Rex that has a telepathic link, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, that's going to be. But I mean, like, if he with. can't go in the water, then how good is he? Maybe in that land <laughs> battle, I don't know. But I'm saying, like, it could. All I'm saying is, it, it feels like if you ever heard the whole Indiana Jones theory, if you took Indiana Jones out of every moment, you just had a regular common dude in there. Like, what significance does Indiana Jones himself have to do with his own movie? Like, it, uh, he's not significant he gives to the insight point where, on 
on like the history of things yeah. and to say this belongs in a museum <laughs> <laughs> but i was saying riri overall wasn't needed i mean they could have used any regular scientist that just referred to them uh they had her kind of be the macguffin in a lot of ways because the plot revolved around her a lot uh, well, i have to say um I, I just want to interject and in, in defense of Riri, which you will not hear me say very often. No. <laughs> um, Kevin Feige has said that Phase Four is all about introductions and introduction introducing new characters into this thing. So the the whole reason why Riri's here is to introduce her for later. Mm-hmm. That's and, fair. And so That's they fair. they need they need to have her here so that she's important later. Yeah. And I mean, she's kind of important to the story and it makes sense that she is all like, Oh yeah. From my metals class, I was all like, Oh, I, I, I can make a vibranium detector. Yeah. They did a good job of explaining why she's there and they justifying her presence in the story. Um, uh, as for like, as for being able to just replace her with any other, with any other scientists? Oh, maybe. Yeah. That, 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 I feel that, like it's kind of yeah. a moot point because yeah. it's like it, the, the only reason why we would complain about Riri being there is because we collectively do not like Riri. Um, and, and so we might prefer somebody else to be there. Yeah. But they decided like it's important to establish Riri now because she's going to be important in Armor Wars and also her own series. And her own series, on. yeah. Yeah. But I will say this, though. Here's the thing that kind of took me out with her. They're on the campus, and I'm sorry. The woman that plays uh, Okoye. Okoye, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful woman. Like, sometimes it's wild to me. Like, of course, I've seen her in, like, Walking Dead, and I've seen her in a a few other roles. Beautiful woman. But when she comes off with the line about you need to check how you're walking out here with your ashy head, I'm like, where are you seeing ash? Like, I'm like, like she just said that because they had it written for her as a funny thing to say as a comeback. And I'm like, but that's not even accurate. And it kind of took me way out of it. I know it's a silly thing to take me out of it, but I'm like, okay, if it had been true, I can understand it because from a cultural standpoint, black people will snap on each other in a heartbeat for no reason. <laughs> but like, don't snap on somebody if it ain't accurate. It's true. Like if like if well, you see, in even... ashy, don't sit there and say her ashy hair. You'd be like, hey, you walking out here bald for a woman? Like maybe that's mm. a thing. Like, well, you see, like even Shuri was saying, like she was a little ashy. Like maybe you couldn't see it, but she was saying like there was an ashiness to it. Apparently, yeah. Okay, well, and that's that's there, but it still took me out of it. I'll be honest. Right. Well, once yeah. again, you don't like Riri, so you. I feel like that's kind of like a triggering thing. Mm-hmm. It's all like she's gonna say something to somebody that you do like, like Okoye. Yeah. And you're gonna disrespect Okoye right to her face. If, yeah. If if the other girl who was in there is the Midnight Angel who had the who had the daggers at, uh, if she had said that to Riri, if she had said that to Okoye, I'd have had a problem because I was like, I don't see. I don't see the reference we're making here because, I mean, again, I, I get it. If I don't see the ash, I can't make the joke. But if I'm and like, also, I think it also it helps because it establishes that Riri is uh, African-American mm-hmm. and they'll point out like ashiness probably more than people Wakanda, Wakanda would. Yeah, good point. 
I, I, which I, okay. like I, I the only reason I even know about quote unquote ashy or ashy Larry or ashiness <laughs> or anything <laughs> is because African Americans <laughs> talk about that. Ashy Larry. I love how it was like ashy, ashiness, ashy Larry. Like it felt like that the Chappelle skit where uh where yes. Boy, where where Wayne Brady was dealing with the whole thing. No, no. I, uh, I was thinking about World Series dice. Yes. Well, no, that I, one had Ashley. I know that, but that I know that. I know that, but no. There's a moment where Wayne Brady is also saying, "I didn't know you got wet." He's like, "What is that?" He's like, "It's PCP, uh, Himalaya, Himalaya snow dust, Sherman Helmsley, Ashley Larry." Like Ashley Larry is one of the modifiers for the drug as well that Chappelle was on. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pretty sure he probably uses Ashy Larry for a lot of things. <laughs> it's probably like one of those comebacks that Chappelle did. I yeah. haven't watched every episode of Chappelle's show. I'll be honest. I, own I should though the whole series. So if you ever need to, I believe you. Like, yeah, I own the whole series. Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll walk over to your place and for a little while. That's just, what we'll do. I'll just send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So that that's my main thing. But no, I mean, I just. I mean, even like stuff like, oh, y'all stopped having a Black Panther when I get kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Like it had anything to do with you getting kidnapped, lady. Like, I get it. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, were, was that the only thing that you didn't like that about was, the movie? Was just that was, Riri? That was, I'm going to say that's about 80 to 90% of it. Uh, I'm going to say that I wish they had done a little bit more development which I should have mentioned this actually was stuff I liked because now that I think about it, it's more like stuff. Uh, the whole Val and agent thing where mm-hmm. we found out that they were husband and wife prior. Um, yeah, Val and Everett Ross. And her kind of playing him the whole time. Even like, well, yeah, I've been tracking you the whole time since the deal. And I'm like, Everett Ross seems smarter than that. Like, was it just because he was trying to sneak around them? Does Everett Ross seem smarter than that? Everett Ross kind of seemed average intelligence to me since the first Black Panther. I, I mean, he seemed to be able to hide a lot of stuff well, and it just seems interesting that he wouldn't have at least looked to see if there's some sort of tracking device on the thing. And, uh, and, I mean, and maybe that's the point, too. Maybe we're establishing that for everything that Everett Ross is, Val is that much smarter. Val is yeah. that much more ahead of the game. And maybe that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know. And it, I think it's also to more establish once again to anybody that somehow has missed Val's appearances in all the other MCU things that have come out lately. <laughs> um, just to reestablish that Val is not a good person. No. And she's shady and she's going to run the Thunderbolts or something. Yeah. she No, she's uh, like she basically is all of the uh, bad impressions that people have of the CIA. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's a reason why she and Ross divorced because, you know, he wants to be good and noble and wants to help out other nations. And uh, she kind of doesn't want to do that. She kind of wants to take... She wants a reason uh, to to, uh, gain the upper leg on other nations. You know, I mean, clearly they had a disparaging of opinion of vibranium. Mm-hmm. You know, he you know he feels like okay, Wakanda 
has vibranium, wants to keep vibranium, that's perfectly fine. And Val is all like, no, America needs that vibranium mm-hmm. for something. For, for something. For all sorts of stuff. <laughs> for all sorts of cool, fun things. We, we have a sponsor. So We've been sponsored. Have you ever tested your nerd kung fu? Have you ever nerd tested kung fu? Nerd kung fu, yes. Your nerd kung fu. Now, I know what you're thinking. What is nerd kung fu? Because it's not like we're going to get a bunch of nerds fighting in a ring. But maybe it's about how you look. Maybe it's about being able to show off that nerd thing that you dig. You know what I mean? Do you like The Office? Do you like Star Wars? Do you like Jurassic Park? Do you like video games, anime, movies, etc. Because if you do, you can get your nerd kung fu on. In the description on the podcast, there will be a link. You can go there and you can order up to your heart's desire on anything from shirts to socks to posters and all sorts of things. Even The Godfather. So if you're down into movies and video games and comic books and or things like that tv shows even i mean like i said the office firefly is represented they got all sorts of stuff it's all legally licensed official stuff jingle spider uh what's your nerd kung fu uh my nerd kung fu is weak but i feel like by following the link in the description i might be able to make it stronger smider what's your nerd kung fu my nerd kung fu is a southern style it uh is very fast very aggressive Mostly uses just the two first knuckles on my hand to knock people out, but that's only because the stunt people are kind enough to fall over. It's up to you how your nerd kung fu is. We appreciate you checking it out and grabbing the link and getting your stuff from nerdkungfu.com. So, I mean, I feel like that was kind of a, I mean, I, I and, and really thinking about, because I, I was sitting there and saying it's a bad thing. At first, I was like, actually, they did a really good job of that overall, except for the fact that I was kind of like, did they just make him a little bit dumber to make her smarter? And then I'm like, not really, because she's always been kind of a step ahead of everything so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, don't forget, I like how blown away Everett Ross was just from the stuff that he's seen in Wakanda in general and how he's like, he's clever, clever enough to be like a decent uh, CIA agent. But Mm -hmm. like when you're dealing with somebody that's like beyond that, like I don't think he can, he can do a whole lot. Right. You know, although I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up, if they do a future sequel at some point, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being in Wakanda as a um, as an agent within Wakanda now, possibly. I mean, it seems like they're gonna he's gonna stay in Wakanda at least for the time being. Yeah. So that'll be dope. Yeah. But anyway, yeah that's that's my that's my that's my really thing about the bad uh, part of it. I mean, other than the fact that Namor's weakness basically is ashiness. Uh, in a way, because of the whole idea of heat and draining and all this other stuff and becoming dry skin to the point where he doesn't have access to water. Yeah. But it's interesting because I remember in the comics too, he seemed like whenever he got more dehydrated, the more pissed he got and the more technically strong he got. But again, we're dealing with something different than the comics. It's different. 
And so if that's all the bad that you have, I'll go ahead and step in. Yep. Let's just go ahead and take that. I'm going to go ahead and take over now. Um, so I've been watching a lot of Dr. Mike lately um, on YouTube. And Dr. Mike has a, um, has a, has a mantra, if you will, has mm. a saying. Mm. It's chest compressions, chest compressions, chest compressions. <laughs> Interesting. I want to see how you're, where you're going to go with this. Um, I had been watching a video recently of um, some people that had drowned um, at a beach. It's like a lifeguard show. It takes place in like Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember what the show is called. Mm-hmm. Um, but they pulled a guy out um, who had drowned um, and they were doing emergency CPR mm-hmm. chest compressions um, and talking about it. And the guy was effectively had no pulse for like five minutes. Gotcha. But because they were putting oxygen into his system and forcing his heart to beat, that's what chest compressions are doing. Mm-hmm. They're forcing your heart to, to continue to pump blood even after everything has shut down. Yeah. <coughs> And they were able to bring the guy, they were able to get a pulse going after a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then he vomited the water and, you know, they turned him on his side so that he could do that. And, um, you know, clap, clap, clap. And like I said, he'd (laughs) he'd been effectively pulseless for like five minutes. Ah. So when they pull the queen (laughs) out of the thing... And they, like, chest compressions for, like... No, dude. Like, a minute? (laughs) No, dude. Don't do it. Don't do it. I think he's going to do it. And they're like, no, she's dead? (laughs) I'm just all like, I'm disappointed with you. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Mike would be very disappointed with you right now. You could save that woman's life, but instead you're like, nah, fam. Oh, my God. She's... I can't believe the queen is dead, you guys. Angela Bassett uh, trained her body up to be like an Olympic-level-looking swimmer. I mean, she had muscles on top of muscles. I mean, I thought she looked freaking thickish in what love got to do with it. She got even more in fit and shape. Good for you, Angela Bassett. My queen. Um, and that was something that was just all like, Okay, well, I guess she's dead then. <laughs> and th- that was just like, in-, in in my mind, I'm just like, Wakanda's like the most <laughs> medically advanced like thing ever, and the they most advanced civilization on the planet, correct? And they just were like, nah. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. I was just like... Hey. I don't know. Talokan seems to have the leg up on that. I mean, they've got a bigger army and they have the ocean. Yeah. Uh, th- that was just like a, a, a storytelling thing. Like or a like, not even a storytelling thing. Like a nitpick? That, the, yeah, that, that was like a major nitpick. Though. Okay. It was like... Just because now that I know, like, <laughs> somebody can be gone for a while and yeah. you can... Still bring them back. You can still bring them back. Yeah. Uh, depending on the situation. If it's drowning, like, 
a, a skilled lifeguard can keep it going for a while. Um, and so you can resuscitate somebody like from the brink. Usually mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, and they had like the beads and they were like shocking her heart and like put, doing chest compressions and, and just like, it was just so fast mm. that they were just all like, no, that's it. <laughs> we're not, <laughs> gonna, we're not even going to continue to keep trying. Bro, this movie is already over two hours. That's true. We got to get through this. You're so Kevin Feige, you're so right. Kevin Feige is sitting in the throne room going, did Angela Bassett resign her contract to come back as Green Wanda? No, I think she's going to go do some other things. Yeah, she's going to die in this movie. Okay, mm. so how are we going to do it? Well, she's going to save Riri. We could just drown her then. I'm sorry. Okay. Every time an- anybody like brings up uh, Kevin Feige on his air quote throne, I just imagine... Like, it, 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 you both watched uh, the remake of Clash of the Titans, right? Yes. I think so, yes. All right, so you remember Liam Neeson as Zeus? Yeah. yeah. And he's, like, on that gl- gl- glittering uh, silver throne? Yes. Yeah, that's what I imagine <laughs> every time. And I just imagine him, like, doing that fist stamp mm-hmm. where, like, shockwaves go out. And he's like, no! <laughs> Yeah. In the background, there's just a cloud shaped like a big black hat. Yeah, I see what you mean. I got gotcha. you. There we go. But um, uh, yeah, sorry. That, that that was something that was like, I don't know if it was like stabbing or if she like exploded or something like that. Then I'd be like, yeah, you can't really like stop that. But if it's something like drowning um, and something that I've I literally watched videos not but like a couple weeks ago of people having drowned for a while and then brought back. It just takes some time to do. Like, you just got to keep doing chest compressions. Like, to save Queen Rwanda. Mm. In the most advanced civilization on the planet. In the most advanced city and the most advanced civilization on the planet. Mm -hmm. And I was just all like, okay. (laughs) That's fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the meme has come to uh, life. Yep. So that was that was something that bugged me. Um, another thing that bugged me, I didn't like the Ironheart design. Um, I I I like her design better from the comics. Mm. Um, and I was hoping they would have like slim it down. Yeah, slim down. Uh, got it closer to like that. Mm-hmm. but she had like the the big rocket shoulders and stuff and i got the face was fine um th- there was just like i didn't i didn't like the overall design or color of it i i actually really like the way that she looks in like marvel rising i like that design for Ironheart. yeah um but they went with something I different. I should watch Marvel Rising i think we should watch Marvel just Rising just get out of the way right yeah yeah that we, could, we don't even have you know what? We might actually be able to learn something from that. Now that I think about it, that's true. You know, should we do a watch it? Be on the way. Should we? We'll do a watch along, perhaps, for Marvel Rising. Oh my goodness! Why are you having ideas? Because we I told always you to have stop ideas. Having ideas, will I can't help it. It's in my brain. <laughs> it's his brain. It's his brain. Um, my brain. But yeah, um, not not particularly fond of of the design. Uh, it just. I don't know. Uh, I, I like other designs that I've seen for Ironheart. 
And that one, I, I guess it's supposed to look like a hot rod that you're wearing as a suit. She looked like an RC. She did. She did. A little bit, yeah. In profile. And yeah. I'm like, I would probably normally be fine with that, except I know what RC, what various RCs have looked like. Mm-hmm. And I've seen what various designs for Ironheart have looked like. Mm-hmm. And for that, I was just like, mm, I would have preferred closer to that. Um, but, you know. MCU changes stuff. And also that suit that she built there. Um, I think they said that like Wakanda has to keep it. So maybe that I think that kind of gives me hope that when she gets back to MIT, that she'll build like a more comic accurate suit. Yeah. Um, without the, the dumb like shoulder pad jets. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I mean, the thing about it is, is that too, is that you know, Shuri could always send her some sort of schematic help or something if she wanted to. It'd just be like an email from Wakanda at the beginning of the series. I mean, she is going to be dealing with a very mystical uh, opponent in the hood in her series. At least as of right now, that's who they're saying her bad guy is going to be. And so, but there'll be other players involved. So, I mean, she'll have to make something a lot more streamlined. I don't think she's going to be able to run around with a bunch of big old huge gigantic shoulder pads while you're getting magic blasts and demons and all that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, sure, he doesn't even believe in, in mystical arts. She only believes in science. She no. believes only in science. Don't forget, she scoff at tradition. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's got full of tradition? Talocon. Those guys are so cool. Those guys are all tradition. Those guys are all tradition. Oh, and the funny thing throwing about up them, that, the hand signal? Throwing up that Talocon gang sign. The hand signal? <laughs> yeah, the little hand over the hand like a claw, like a uh, clam. Uh, we were taught, we were saying, ah, oh, yes, Hadouken to you too. Kamehameha to you as well, brother. To you as well, brother. There was a guy talking ah, about... Ah, my king, Hadouken. <laughs> there was a guy that was talking about how a lot of the Aztec warriors and stuff like that, and a lot of the artwork have that similar mm-hmm. hand signal. So, like, that's what they—that's how they're able to kind of inspire it. And the people created it on set as a way to signal signal saying greetings to one another. Oh yeah, so that was pretty dope. Oh, I I know what it was for. I just think it looks <laughs> silly. <laughs> Are you gonna tell ancient Mayan cultures that their little salute was silly? Yeah. Okay, you know, right, guys. So we can't really fight. Can't really fight that. What are they going to do? Drown me? <laughs> if they're so smart, why are they all drowned? <laughs> I will say I do enjoy. I did enjoy the whole water grenades thing. I thought that was interesting. It was cool. I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot of the design elements for yeah a lot of the the different stuff in this movie. It was very visually appealing. Yeah, I like that. I. I and sorry, I'll pass the ball back to you, but um, uh, I do like that. Okay, so Wakanda is clearly the most advanced civilization on the planet. Yes, but Telokan has the most, like pound for pound, strongest army on the planet, and it's more than just about the fact that our planet is covered in water. They can be they they're unstoppable in the water. But every single citizen in Talokan is a superhuman. Yep. Every single citizen on Talokan, not even from the most talented warrior, is 
su- is super strong compared to a normal human. And uh, I like that. They're not bulletproof, though. They are not bulletproof, but they are wearing bulletproof armor. Well, and are covered. Except for on their vital and areas. And are covered. Yeah, well, I mean, that radio. stuff just grows back. <laughs> hey, why didn't they explain, like, why yeah. is it that uh, Okoye was, like, Stabbing them and it was all like, oh, I that they should be dead. And then they, they got were up like, and went psych, away. I guess <laughs> they were like, "Lol, J.K." It was just a joke. They were like, like <laughs> "I was just fooling with you, Holmes." <laughs> oh, that's what we were doing the whole time. They were like, "Hey, Holmes, welcome to Talakan. <laughs> welcome to our home, man. You want some cerveza? <laughs> we'll get you all kinds of good stuff. We got <laughs> chipotle meats. We got." <laughs> We have chicharrones, <laughs> all or sorts of good lime stuff. on that. It's so good. <laughs> hey, what's up? My name is Namor. <laughs> You're in the wrong city, Holmes. You're in the wrong ocean, Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, what did y'all think of the name explanation for why they referred to him as Namor? Oh yeah did did you not like that? Namor. Namor. As the, cha- as, the as the one without love. Yeah. yeah. And then you sin more. Mm-hmm. Now, I personally, I, I kind of like that because I knew that they were going to have to just rework a lot of stuff about Namor. I mean, and it works. Not um, more. Not more. Um, uh, sorry, bro. You were you were still on about uh, what you didn't like. No, no, no. I just simply asked what y'all thought about that. Oh, okay. Um. No, I liked it. I, I liked that they I gave it. I thought it was it, a good explanation. I like that they gave it enough thought. Yeah. Uh, because it's pretty obvious that they wanted him to be, to, to have a more culturally relevant name. Mm-hmm. And they gave him that, and then they still let him keep Namor. Yeah. Yep. I, I, As people I, can call him Kukukan, the rest of the world can call him Namor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love, like, I watched last night just because I decided to go on a YouTube tear for a while. I just watched a bunch of people just melt down about the agendas and all this other stuff. And, oh, my goodness, this is the most woke movie ever. I'm like, okay, yeah, shut up. I'm done now. Yeah, I don't even watch those videos. I sometimes watch oh my them God. laugh at them. Oh, my God, indigenous people. Oh, it defends my white sensibilities. Namor is supposed to be white. Why is he not white? Explain that to me. He's a white guy. He's been a white in the comics the whole entire time. Why are they messing with it? What is going on? Why is Namor not white in this movie? I'll tell you, this is the worst thing that's ever happened ever since they made that Black Panther movie. <laughs> I'll tell you something right there now. These white people have a right to be offended, I tell you. The Namor <laughs> should be white and Black Panther shouldn't be able to be on the screen. Why are you in Africa fighting? That's what I want to know. Uncle Ruck does no relation. <laughs> I don't know why they changed out Namor's race from that beautiful white Jesus skin that That's they right. had him in. Because not only that, but you got to ask yourself another question. Why is it sometimes they look blue like Smurfs, and then other times when they're in the water, they look white? But it, 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 except I'm going, that's even more beautiful because I'm like, from a biological standpoint, I'm thinking if they're getting their oxygen out of water, their skin turns blue because they're no longer in the water. So they're having to adjust 
to breathe in the air, hence why they all, with the exception of Nemo, wear the face mask so that they can breathe above water. Like fish typically go blue out of water. Most aquatic life skin goes blue out of water if they're used to living in water. It makes sense. But folks want to argue. No, no, I, uh, the, the, the thing that I actually really like about how they li- like how they look when their skin is blue is um, and the, there was something that I caught in the trailer the first time and I don't remember if I brought it up here or somewhere but um, it looked like body paint mm-hmm. and I love that because body paint was pretty common for the indigenous peoples of that time and it it was always like it could have been anything from uh turquoise to black to red they loved decorating their bodies and that stuff and i i i loved it and i when we're actually watching the film and we're looking at that elaborate headdress that one of the lieutenants has the lady one Namorita. Um, well, say again. Namorita. Oh, uh, that was na- oh, thank it's you. Nemora. That was Namora. Thank you. Because okay, they name dropped her in the movie, and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was Namora. Yeah, yeah, Namora. Uh, her headdress. The, this is the thing that I really loved about what they did with her is that it's still obviously an indigenous inspired headdress but it's decorated out of materials from the ocean and yeah. to me like that was striking i thought that was beautiful plus i also think she was really cute and are we still on things we don't like i know right we'll <laughs> throw out we, that other I, stuff i but, think we kind of jump back to stuff we love okay but <laughs> like, like, i'll i'll throw in the one thing that i that i didn't like mm-hmm. and uh that and it was that pacing issue that we were talking about before yeah there was a bit of a pace it, it was like you know uh i i thought it was just so quick mm-hmm. for her to go from like no, we don't need the Black Panther. We need technology. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like, okay, we need the Black Panther, and I'm going to be the Black Panther. Like, she just decided. Yeah. That yeah. It, I'm the one that has to do it. And I felt like she didn't, like, struggle with feeling that way for very long. <laughs> yeah. It's... It, it was very, like, it, uh, if you remember um, that uh, Rice Pirate animation... Uh, or it's all like, I'm not Batman anymore, but we need Batman. Okay, I'm Batman. No, you make a good point, and I think that's what it was. And it wasn't even, like, when, I, when we're talking about a character struggling to make a decision, it's not that it's the length of time that a character opposes that decision and then flips to uh, the, the opposing choice. It's the character deciding that I don't want to do X. Uh, I'd much rather do Y. And the entirety that they're doing Y, they start to think, uh, maybe I should start doing X. Or, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do X, but maybe there's some merit in doing X. But with her, it was, I don't want to do X. 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 
we better start doing X. Well, mm. and what if part of that had to do more with the whole concept that she, once she realized she had the necklace, it, it had the ability to do what she wanted, had wanted to do for the beginning of the movie, because if you remember the beginning of the movie, it starts off with her needing to recreate the heart-shaped herb. So maybe because she realized that the stuff in that jeweling had the same stuff in it as the stuff that she well, had. The uh, necklace? To. Yeah. Yeah, the necklace. And so maybe the idea was... Or, or, I think it's like a bracelet. It was a bracelet. It was a bracelet. Yeah, yeah. So then she goes, well, maybe now I can do what I need to do. Well, I can't bring back my brother, but obviously I could use this to become the Black Panther and then do something. And maybe it was more of a completing what she started trying to do and then realizing, okay, if I do this, I'm going to have to do it. Like there's no other person that can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I, um, I don't think I disagree with the decision that that's the conclusion that she would get to. It just happened so quickly that it just, it felt rushed to me. And I feel like if there was a little bit more spacing there, um, I would have liked it a little bit more. Because in the end, it was all like, why does she feel like she needs to be the Black Panther? She's never, like, shown interest in fighting before or anything like that or combat training. Like, to me, like, she's a very, like, methodical, thoughtful person that she would, like, decide who would be the best to don the Black Panther uniform. Yeah. Um, but instead, she was like, and and the big thing is that MCU Shuri is different from comics Shuri, um, and so like the fact that Shuri like in the MCU is this way, um, I I would I would have liked to have seen a little bit more spacing where she like comes to the conclusion that it it needs to be her to do it. Instead of somebody like Nakia, who is really cool and awesome and knows how to fight, mm-hmm. um, Lupita, which Lupita. I've argued for in the past. Miss Lupita Nyong'o. Nupita Nyong'o. She is so beautiful. I can't even. I got a chance to talk um, to the Black Bob Ross. Uh, it'll be dropping that episode just a little bit later tonight. Uh, let's go. And he was actually at the New York premiere. And uh, he oh, mentioned wow. how Lapita Nyong'o walked in the room, and then five minutes later, the rest of her showed up. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how thick she was. Yeah, she's pretty thick. Damn, she is easy now. <laughs> I know. We have to. Everybody, remember, we have to take a cue from the VTuber community. We must look respectfully. Yes, must look res- respectfully. Respectfully, <laughs> and res- remember, respectfully. Remember what Dan. Remember what Danhausen always says. No swearing. <laughs> respectfully, though. Respectfully, though. She's as thick as a, she's as thick as a uh, chocolate milkshake at Whataburger. I'm just saying, respectfully. Mm. But um, yeah, and, and in the end, the conclusion that I uh, kind of got to for for that whole scene and the like, how fast it was going. Um, the only answer I could think of was like. Well, the comic said that she needs to be Black Panther. And so um, it's like, oh, well, then she has to be Black Panther. But it, it felt like the character herself didn't make that decision uh, over like a reasonable amount of time. It happened just really, really quickly. And that was like a complaint that I had. It was just like, wow, that was really fast decision, um, which obviously was the correct decision. 
And I don't disagree with the decision to make her Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, I would have liked a little bit more space, but it was already like more than a two and a half hour oh, long yeah. movie. It was yeah. already jam-packed. It's already really long. So, yeah. and like, I can't even think of any scenes that I think you could cut down without like ruining the pacing of the movie itself. So, yeah. Um, that that was some, like, I agree with Smiter and his like, noting that that was something that bugged him and mm-hmm. I, it was something that kind of bugged me too mm-hmm. uh mainly because maybe i just like nikia more i don't know <laughs> hey hey yeah, that's pretty you. much my biggest issue <laughs> but yeah overall i enjoyed the movie uh i thought it was really good it did do something that a lot of people are still complaining about because i think a lot of people who went to go see the movie missed the point at the end uh, because a lot of people were talking about the whole, you know, we should recast T'Challa. They've recast so many other superheroes in the past. They just recently recast uh, Thunderbolt Ross played by Harrison Ford. Why can't they recast T'Challa? I'm like, all Mike, all Kevin Feige said was, we're not going to recast him for this movie. That's all he ever said. He never said, we're never going to recast T'Challa. Never, ever, 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 ever. He just said we're not recasting for this film. And they did a really good job of figuring a way out to recast it, which, I mean, by the time we get through Kang Dynasty, he may be there already. You know, because, I mean, time is relevant, irrelevant when you can skip through it. You know, I'm just saying. There's a lot of possibilities there, a lot of good setup. You know. I mean, I remember people saying that they were expecting... Uh, Killmonger to come back and take over as Black Panther. I remember hearing that. I mean, I I disagreed, but I I still heard people. Yeah. I, mean, I think I, um I think we should move on past uh, Black Panther and, and introduce White Tiger now. Yeah, White Tiger. <laughs> well, he was already introduced though. No, no, just actually White Tiger. Oh, okay. Actual just, just White Tiger. White Tiger, just fully White Tiger. Like, fully like White Tiger. Bucky just, Bucky just comes back and Bucky just takes the mantle and that's it. We don't we don't address it again. What's the name of the girl uh, from Wakanda in um, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man? Um, uh, you're talking about White Tiger, but I don't think she's from Wakanda. I think she's more Hispanic. I think that's more of a Hispanic thing for White Tiger. Let me check. It could be. Come bring her in. Bring White Tiger in. <laughs> yeah, just get, just don't worry about Black Panther anymore. Nobody, no, anybody even like Black Panther? I I'm like joking. Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, but I do appreciate the fact that they set up the fact that him and Nakia had a son, and that they were real at the very end after you know Shuri finally does the whole burning of the clothes and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything, and then come to find out that um, that that the son is named the same thing, and that Queen, Ro- Queen Rwanda met him, and that she was aware, even though she was angry at the fact that Kia didn't come back, she understood why she didn't. Yeah, and the fact that they had to keep that a secret away from everybody else because. Uh, of the fact that T'Challa felt like it would be better for him to be able to live a normal life outside of the kingdom, outside of all that. I was just like, that's dope. Like, that. that's that's a good follow-up reason for why you don't have 
you know, him show up and just be like, oh, I'm the new king. I'm going to be the new king. So I'm glad they did it that way. Um, so the powers of Ava uh, Ayala, a lot, uh, 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 alias White Tiger, came from the White Tiger amulet inherited from her niece, Angela Del Toro. Her family was murdered by Gideon Mace. She became a part of the Avengers Academy. So, no way tied to Wakanda. Okay. So. I don't know. I didn't watch the show. Fair enough. I'm getting. I watched like, mm, say like 10 episodes. Avengers Academy, though, was a comic, but then they did do that, what was the Ultimate Spider-Man, where she was in there. Yeah, that's the only thing I know of, of her from. Yeah. Where 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 Nick Fury comes up and says, You could be the ultimate Spider Man and he's like, Really? Roll credits. Dude, dope man, I got this. So and then they had Iron Fist and Power Man and White Tiger. So uh any other thoughts about Wakanda Forever as we wrap this up? It was a good movie. Uh I left the the theater feeling quite somber and melancholy, but mm-hmm. um but we still realized it was a good film. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. It just like it kind of left me like, oh, yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't fully cry, but I did tear up a few times. We like just in the somberness and and obviously like the the ending like um, montage of Chadwick. At yeah. The end. Now, that got me for sure. Yeah, you know, I think for me, like I said, it was when re- when uh, when Shuri was going down that path near the end when she had Namor trapped in the ship and did the explosion and all this other stuff, and she's just going and she's right there about to strike. And I was like, "Don't do it, girl! Don't do it." But if you do this, what if we do? If you do this, you're not going to come back from it the same, you know. And that's when she says the line, of course, you know that revenge is attempted to consume us but I cannot allow the revenge to consume our people and I'm just like uh. so it was a great movie overall I enjoyed it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's my good movie that's my thing there so um, yeah. The only other thing I have to say on a side note that's not Wakanda Forever related is one quick thing. Uh, apparently, uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, did discover that uh, he had two uh, deal. That I can't remember what they're called. I think it's trackers in his body genetically that have him predispos- predisposed to Alzheimer's. And so he basically said, this was during the series he did for National Geographic that's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, when he found out he had those trackers, his quote was, I'm going to go away for a little while and spend as much time with my with my wife and my kids as I can. Fair enough. And so he has mm. stepped away. He's temporarily retired from acting for the time being, uh, just to spend more time with his family. And yeah, fair enough. I think uh, that's pretty powerful in and of itself. Like, you have the wherewithal to make a decision. Some people would just be like, I'm going to bury myself in my work. I'm not going to even deal with this. I'm just going to go. Now, he was just like, I'm going to spend my time with the people that are most important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty cool. So, 
I hate to hear that he's going through hit that you know these genetic things have come up and that he knows they're there. Uh, he just has to be mindful of it now and then do what he can to deal with it. You know, and that's that's a hard place to be. But I'm thankful he took the time to say, "I'm going to step to my family. I'm going to be where my family needs me to be." That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have to do that, but I'm glad he did it. So that's all I'm going to say for that. So last words, gentlemen. Okay. Um. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, my last words are are going to be. Um, it's okay to grieve when you're feeling sad, and it's okay to move on when you're feeling better, and don't forget, people love you. I think my last words are hold fast because it is going to get better. Okay. Um, Two things for me. One, um, as we're recording this, we will be recording this weekend before Thanksgiving weekend. We will not be recording a podcast that weekend. You will get this episode on that weekend. So don't worry because you're going to be spoiled because we're dropping like three episodes as we're we're recording like tonight. Before tonight's over, I'll drop like three episodes on you guys. Uh, Because we've got the Black Adam episode dropped already. I'll be dropping the episode with the Black Bob Ross as well as the uh, Kevin Conroy was the best Batman episode. So we're going to drop all that basically tonight. So you'll have plenty to listen to between now and next week. So don't feel like we've forgotten about you. And um, man, there's a really great article I got to read about from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Talking about dealing with your relatives and dealing with people around you during the holidays. uh, Because for some, the holidays are great. For others, the holidays can get into really big old arguments. And I really hate to hear about that. So... That I'll, put, I'll try to make sure to put that in the liner notes for this episode as well. Uh, just because even though you'll get it the weekend of Thanksgiving, it'll be something you can take with you to Christmas. And remember, uh, Nerd Kung Fu, uh, as the holidays are drawing near, you're going to want to get gifts for people. Please use the link in the show notes so that you can grab stuff and get stuff for your people and help support the show at the same time. Uh, and above all else, guys, first of all, your life is worth fighting for. I don't care what you're hearing. Even if it means reaching out to somebody that you haven't reached out to in a long time and just being like, hey, I need somebody to listen. Can you listen to me? And always remember that, yes, your life is worth fighting for, but the hope that you fight for your life is so that you can help somebody else fight for theirs. So as you're fighting for your own, make sure you're available for others too, if you can. So, and above all else, guys, be blessed to be a blessing to somebody. Take care.